This episode mentions childhood rape and a short graphic depiction of miscarriage. Listener discretion is advised. You are not your trauma. What comes to mind when you hear that phrase? For today's guest, Harriet M. Harris, it means overcoming childhood trauma at the hands of a family member. It means realizing those demons she thought were slain, resurfacing as an adult battling secondary infertility. But it also means rising from the ashes and creating a movement and a community of people who no longer define themselves by what happened to them. Speaker, author, coach, and fellow podcast host, Harriet is passionate about helping women to live life without limits. On today's episode of the Life Beyond Infertility podcast, she shares with me how she transformed her limiting beliefs and self-sabotaging behaviors into empowering truths. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to the Life Beyond Infertility podcast, the show where we talk about what happens when building a family doesn't go as planned and how to find happiness anyway. My name is Charlie Dice, and my mission is to help women struggling with fertility feel empowered and supported in their life choices and help them find peace no matter where they're at in their journey. As someone who struggled with infertility for eight years, which included three miscarriages, failed fertility treatments, and the only one in our immediate families who doesn't have kids, I know what it's like to feel left out, ashamed, and silenced. This podcast is a passion project for me. I hope you enjoy, and if it helps you in any way, please consider leaving a rating and a review. It means the world to me to have your support. And if you're looking for a fast track into healing your fertility grief and learning how to embrace a life that's still fulfilling, check out my website, www.charliedice.com. Here you'll find information on my signature one-on-one coaching program, as well as lots of free stuff to get you started. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. Today, I am joined by a special guest. I was on her podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm really excited to now get to interview her and have her share your, her story with you. Harriet Harris, she is a speaker, coach, author, podcaster, host of the You Are Not Your Trauma podcast, and new, brand new that we're going to talk about later on, creator and founder of the You Are Not Your Trauma movement. So welcome, Harriet, to the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. And I know, like I said, I was on your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm really thankful to have you return the favor for me. It's for the listeners, and you can go into as much or as little detail as you want with your your trauma, but what did your trauma center around to kind of give them a little bit of context? Sure. Well, to be perfectly honest, if you ever check out my my podcast, you'll actually, you can actually hear my my full-on story, but I was a victim of rape uh, at the age of 10. It was someone I knew. It was kind of like a family friend, my cousin's best friend. It was at a, a sleepover at a family member's home. And I was raped. And when I got the courage to tell the trusted adults that I was with, they told me that I wasn't telling the truth. So that kind of added to the trauma of it all. And so I kind of shut down and we're talking 10 years old. So that led to a life of (laughs) a lot of pain, a lot of feeling the need to be protected or feeling the need to protect myself, not trusting people during the aftermath. I always, I like to talk about the aftermath because I think, you know, a lot of people will focus on the trauma itself, but not what you're experiencing after it. And that's where a lot of the, the 
where a lot of where the brokenness happens um, in that aftermath. After the trusted adults uh, made me feel like crap and told me that I wasn't telling the truth, then I was too afraid to tell my parents. My parents were out of town when it happened. Uh, and I was just, I was terrified because I'm like, well, if, you know, these people didn't believe me, then why, you know, and so it became a self-blame thing. So I blamed myself because where I was, my parents had told me, you know, hey, stay at this family member's home. Don't go anywhere else. And I did. So for me, for a lot of years, I felt like that was my punishment for being disobedient. Well, that's where that self-blame came in. And I blamed myself for years and years. I mean, like I said, three decades. And it wasn't until I took that step to actually forgive myself that I could begin to heal. Yeah. And I, I listened to your story on your podcast, but I wanted the listeners to, again, hear it from your mouth because it's your experience and, and validate that for you. And there's so many similarities between just any sort of self-blame and the grief and the aftermath that you talk about with infertility as well. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. not even so much while you're in the journey, it's the aftermath, you know, what happened yeah. in between all the miscarriages, if that's what you're going through, or when you decide that enough is enough. And so relating it to, and that's why I wanted to bring you on because I think it's yeah. so relatable to infertility and and what a lot of my listeners go through. From your experience, what really kind of started you on your healing journey in the aftermath? Was there kind of like a defining moment that you remember that you were like, it's time to forgive myself, it's time to stop this self-blame? Or was it kind of just a gradual thing? Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of twofold. I want to back up just a little bit because um there, there's a, so there's the childhood trauma, right? And I know you and I kind of briefly talked about the fact that I also experienced what they call secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. So there was the trauma of that as well. And the, the kind of forgiveness for that part, the, I would say the forgiveness for that was a little bit easier and quicker. I won't say, I shouldn't say quicker, but it was definitely, it happened sooner, right? Than the childhood trauma forgiveness, that journey. I would say for the childhood trauma, where I really, and unfortunately, it all kind of stacked up against me, if that makes sense. I have a son who's 19 now, four. My husband and I decided we wanted to have another kid. Like, okay, we think we're ready. You know, we think we've mastered parenting, but we wanted to have another kid. And so we started, we were like, okay, you know, we've done this before. We'll do it again. No biggie. Over four years, I experienced a total of seven losses and they were a combination of miscarriages, blighted ovum pregnancies and ectopic pregnancies. So two of them, uh, I had to go through a process of taking medication because the pregnancy was in my tubes until a point where I was just like, I give up. Now, I want to kind of go into that just because this is what your podcast focus is. During that time, I I beat myself up. I blamed everything. And this is why I say they're linked. For me, everything always went back to the childhood trauma, right? So 
when my body was rejecting these pregnancies and I was not able to remain pregnant and I was feeling insecure. I was feeling like I can't give my husband this thing. And a lot of people said, well, you have a kid and it's like, okay, but yes, I do. And I'm thankful, but that has nothing to do with what we're working towards now and what I'm experiencing, the grief, the loss, the hurt, the pain. There were women who were pregnant right along at the same time as me and they were having their babies and I was not. And that was hurtful. Like I got to a point where I couldn't go to baby showers. I couldn't, um, I mean, I I didn't want to be seen. I was kind of like living in a fog. Each one was just so stressful. And it got to a point where I couldn't even get excited anymore. I started seeing a specialist, an endocrinologist. He was a specialist. He came out of, I was at the time I was living in Illinois and I think he came out of Chicago. He had an office where we lived and I started seeing him and I can remember now, we were going through all these things. I had been diagnosed with endometriosis. So they were going through and they were cleaning that up. And it was just a lot of different things. And so then I was having all of these little surgeries. And so at this point, so not only was I having the miscarriages, I'm having surgeries. I'm having, you know, these different procedures to check this and check that. And I'm just feeling like I'm sick of it. Like, but I just kept trying, but it was so disappointing every single time. And I can remember once I was, it was right before Christmas and I'm in the hospital because I had an ectopic pregnancy and the hospital was a Catholic hospital. And so they're like, mm. we, we can't do this. And I'm like, this is literally life or death. Like this is literally if this pregnancy doesn't stop growing in my tubes, I die. So why is that okay? I was sent to another hospital. And I had to have this medication. I had to be monitored, that sort of thing. And so I'm there and I'm just frustrated. And it was like a never ending thing because they gave me the medication and then they sent me home and then I had to go get my blood checked, but my HCG levels were still going up. So it it wasn't working. So then I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? And it just felt so heavy, so overwhelming. I felt like a disappointment. I felt like a terrible wife. I felt like I'm not this one thing. And so again, I'm blaming my past because I'm like, maybe if if this hadn't happened to me, my body would be able to do whatever. Maybe there's something wrong from that. My brain was going everywhere because I couldn't make sense of it. Back then, Honestly, people didn't talk about miscarriages. People didn't talk about ectopic. They didn't talk about the loss. They just didn't. You know, it was uncomfortable. And so I just had to kind of endure it. Um, And honestly, I remember I was supposed to have a procedure. The doctor finally came and said, listen, every time you have this, this miscarriage, it's happening on the left side. So you're all the the egg is always getting fertilized on the left side. So we're gonna remove that that tube. And I remember thinking, I'm never gonna get pregnant now. I mean, like the chances with one tube, they're there, but right. they're very slim. So I'm like, this is never gonna happen for me. And I went in, I had the procedure, and I remember just feeling like just heartbroken heartbroken. And I remember waking up from the surgery, my mom, my husband were both there and only to learn that they didn't have to remove my, my tube, my fallopian tube after all. 
It turned okay. out there was a cyst that was sitting on my fallopian tube and it was pushing it down. So that had been the culprit that made it responsible for the egg never being able to make it to my uterus. So after seven losses, I'm like, okay, great. I didn't lose a tube. And I remember going to the doctor and the doctor saying, okay, now we got this worked out. Why don't we give you medication so that you can maybe get pregnant with multiples? And then that way, oh, you lose some of the others. You may just end up with one. And I'm thinking, but that's still a loss. Like yeah. to me, that wasn't a good the doctor solution. actually said that to you. Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> and I remember saying, forget it. I'm done. I quit. If God wants me to have a baby, then he's just going to have to do it himself. Like I quit. And my husband was like, he had no idea those words were going to come out of my mouth. I had no idea those words were going to come out of my mouth. But the thought of having to like still go through the loss, I was like, not with it. I can't. Like I was done with that procedure. It was in October. In December, I found out I was pregnant with my now 10-year-old son. Even going through that pregnancy, I was terrified the entire pregnancy. I was terrified. Like I was scared. I say that, I share all of that to say that, you know, even when I think of forgiveness, I think, or forgiving myself, there were so many things that were created inside of me during that process. There was insecurities. There was not feeling good enough, not feeling competent, not feeling, you know, not feeling like that didn't just fall off. They didn't just go away. Right. I started to feel better. Yes. But those things, they didn't disappear. It was very difficult for me to start feeling a hundred percent, like real confident about myself. So the forgiveness part, I would say, while I became better, I didn't feel like a worthless wife. I mean, honestly, that's kind of how it felt at some point. And then uh, miraculously, 28 months later, I had another. She's now about to be eight. Having them definitely helped me in that space of not feeling so terrible, not feeling like I couldn't do the one thing God wanted me to do because I decided at that point, no, I'm done. It's time to enjoy the ones that we have. But what it did do was it still left those insecurities there. It still left those wondering if I'm enough or good enough. And so the childhood trauma now with the trauma related to pregnancy and the secondary infertility, all of that, it's now combined, right? The steps I would say that I took to work through that was honestly something that was not planned. It was doing mindset work. I honestly signed up for a random course. And it was so interesting because I didn't, I wasn't one of those people who just signed up for courses. You know, I just kind of look at things and I read things and I Google things. And I think I could figure out everything there. And I signed up for a course and it had nothing to do with mindset work, but we did mindset work in it. And I started thinking like, what is this, you know? And I started really looking at the way I thought about things and the way that I perceive things. I learned a lot about limiting beliefs, which is what my book is all about after I started going through that process of understanding, but not just understanding, but uncovering and overcoming them. So, 
you know, working through that I'm not good enough, working through that I'm not a good enough wife or I'm the struggle of becoming like all of those things that I had been kind of holding on to all those insecurities, all those things that weren't quite true, but I had created in myself or other people had kind of created for me um, and that I kind of tacked on. That was really the start of it. Once I started working and really focusing in on my beliefs and really checking them to see if they were truly my beliefs or, you know, what other people had taught me to believe or what other people made me feel like I should believe. Once I gained my independent thinking, truly, that's when I started kind of moving differently. That's when I started creating boundaries. That's when I started realizing that I was important too, despite all those bad things that happened. I deserve to have a good life and I deserved good things. And I can remember when I first started, I would minimize everything. Oh, you know, I'm just a low key girl. I don't really like, you know, you know, flashy things. And the truth is, why not? (laughs) You know, but I had been so busy for so many years, minimizing myself because of my experiences and trying not to be seen or not to be heard that I was okay kind of being in the corner. But the truth is that I didn't belong there. And I didn't realize it until God just kept pushing me further and further and further out of my comfort zone. And one of the hardest things that he pushed me for was to be transparent I had no idea why. I had no idea that he was going to want me to tell my story because at one, there was a point where I couldn't tell it. I couldn't even talk about it. Um, but he kept saying, you know, be transparent. I was like, okay, God, what does that even mean? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, make my Facebook page open to the public? Like, what does that mean? What is, you know, and it took me some time, but step by step, step by step. And I would say my biggest, the biggest part of that change was I went to a conference, a women of wellness conference. They talked about the woman at the well and how, you know, when Jesus was talking to her and she's like, but you know, I'm a Samaritan woman. Like you're not supposed to be talking to me. And he's kind of like, well, I am, you know, how we as women often will carry around all these things, the hurt, the anger, the pain, the, um, the insecurities, like we carry it around and it just weighs us down. And I'm listening to this lesson, this message, lessons message, but it was kind of broken down in, into pieces. And the next one was letting go of what's in your water pot. And I was like, whoa, that's touchy. <laughs> you yeah. know, the, the idea was, you know, you got to let go of all that baggage, those things that are weighing you down so that you can breathe. And then the final one was, to not look back, to not go back to the old. They actually, at the end of the conference, I used to wear it every day, but I don't have it on today. But they gave us a necklace that has a key on it that symbolized the key to not going back. And for the longest time, that was like the best memory for me, a reminder, I should say, for me to not turn back, to not go back to that old way of thinking, to not go back to not having boundaries, to not go back to, you know, allowing people to uh, manipulate my thoughts or to not not be comfortable saying no, whatever it was. This was that reminder to not go back. And 
when I got home from that conference, I clearly remember standing in my front yard, looking up to the to the heavens. God, I forgive myself. Like I am finally ready to let it all go. I'm finally ready to just release all of it. And I'm going to tell you, there was a freedom. There was literally a weight that I could feel coming up off of me because I was finally ready to begin to see myself the way God saw me. And that really has been the change for me. That has really been what has shifted everything in my life was being willing to let go. And it was shortly after I let go that he he let me know that you are not your trauma. So Wow, that's such a powerful story and it gave me goosebumps. It's just amazing. I want to ask you from your perspective, because you have been through different types of trauma and you said that it was such an immense feeling of relief when you decided to just let it go. And a lot of women that I talk to, especially in the infertility space, they're there's a fear there of letting it go because they think that that means you know, that they are going to forget their losses mm-hmm. or they're going to forget those children that they didn't get to bring into this world. And what do you say to someone who says that? It's so hard for them to actually let go because, again, they feel like that means that they're not invalidating, but that they're just forgetting what happened to them, which obviously doesn't ever happen. Well, exactly what you just said. Letting go doesn't mean that you're forgetting, right? It's kind of like forgiving. It doesn't mean that you're forgetting. Letting go for me was letting go of the weight that was holding me down, letting go of those things, because I'm going to be real, like, God did bless me to be able, I experienced the the secondary infertility, but he did bless me to be able to have not one, but two. I always say, he said, you prayed so much that I'm going to give you two more. (laughs) I feel like even though I had that blessing, the pain of everything I went through, it doesn't go away. Like I will never forget those days sitting in the hospital. I will never forget right. the the days that um, I would get the news that my HCG levels dropped. I will never forget those days that I had to th- spend time in the hospital getting methotrexate because I had a tubal pregnancy. I will never forget this doctor telling me, let's just try to have multiple. And I'll never forget the day I said, no, I'm done. Like, if this is going to happen, I'm just going to let God do it his way. Those things are going to forever be part of me, but I'm not, I'm no longer angry with myself for it. I'm no longer blaming myself for it. I'm no longer blaming my past for it, right? Because in my mind, I think I mentioned I was connecting that. If that had happened, I would be, my body would just be, you know, perfect. And it wouldn't, maybe not perfect, but you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have had these problems. So Letting go doesn't at all mean forgetting because as a mother, you never forget. Just like I will never forget giving birth to the children that are alive, that made it. I will never forget those moments, the heartbreak, the miscarriages, the not to be too graphic, but the bloody tub. Like I will never forget that. Not ever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's going to forever be a part of me. I just don't continue to blame myself for what I experienced. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest distinction to make is that nobody that's been through these kinds of traumas is ever going to forget what happened to them. And it's always going to be a part of who they are at a, even at a cellular level. The biggest thing, like you said, is just not to constantly be looking in the rearview mirror and, you know, yeah. focusing on the past. And I think as women in general tend to not want to take up space, right? We tend mm-hmm. to want to, like yeah. you said, you didn't want to be seen. You know, you kind of wanted to shrink into the background, but yet we let all of these negative things that happen to us, all this loss, we let that take up space, yeah. you know, within us. And it's just a matter of, I think, deciding that. Mm-hmm you're going to take up the amount of space that you need to heal and to forgive yourself. And I think one of the things too is what I wish I had known then is that it wasn't my fault. I shouldn't have blamed myself. I shouldn't have felt bad. And I should not one time that my husband look at me and say, you're a bad wife or You can't do the one, the things that were going on in my head, things that I was saying to myself, no one was saying that, but it's kind of that, that concept that we're our own biggest or our our own biggest critic or our own, you know, we're hardest on ourselves, right? It's a lot. It aligns a lot with that because I had created this scenario or this story, right? That no one had ever said to me. No one had ever blamed me. It was it never happened, but it was the the insecurities that I already had, the guilt of not of this not working out. But we have to learn to to not for one to not blame ourselves for things that are outside of our control, mm-hmm. whether it's you know a pregnancy loss or um, you know right things that you don't do to yourself are not your fault. I think we have to start looking at them differently as, and this is where I've grown. (laughs) For us, I believe that everything happens for us to somehow learn something. Now, Mm. is it always a good feeling? Absolutely not. It's not always a good feeling. But is there an opportunity to learn something? Yeah, it is. I now try and challenge myself, even when I'm going through difficulties and I'm having, you know, adversities or some people call them storms to say, okay, God, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because I don't want to repeat the lesson. Like, just let me know. (laughs) And, you know, I'm on it, but I need to know what I'm supposed to learn from it. Um, so that I don't continue to damage my own my own thoughts with negativity, right? So I think it's super important just to remember that it's not your fault. You are not to blame. And let's stop being so hard on ourselves. We have to give ourselves grace because we are yes. only human. And I think that's the most important thing. And trust me when I say I'm still learning to give myself grace because, oh, I did not give Same. myself grace though. <laughs> Back then, when all of this was happening, I there was no concept of grace. It just was not part of, you know, the reality of who I was. And, you know, it just wasn't. Just That's just yep. the truth. <laughs> and it's so funny you say that because I just listened to a podcast today and 
that the host said through all the adversities that he had gone through, he always told himself he either won or he learned. He never lost. Mm, I love that. And I just loved that. Yeah. I was like, that is something that I think all of us can really keep in our minds on repeat because it's so easy to feel like we've lost Mm -hmm. uh, in anything really. And I either won or I learned. It's really funny that you kind of, you know, went there too, because it's so true. Yeah, Um, it is. And even honestly, I mean, we all like to win. So, I mean, yeah, let's highlight those wins. But I also feel like even when we win, we still have an opportunity to learn something. Because honestly, I feel like life is just that way. I I, I wish I learned this earlier in life is that we're all going to have opportunities to learn something new. I honestly, and this is one of my biggest limiting beliefs, (laughs) I thought that you you were supposed to just arrive. Like there was at some age that you would arrive and you would be who you were supposed to be. So when I turned like 40, I got around, yeah, I turned 40 and I was like, I, my, I do not have my life together. Right. And, you know, just I was going to come down from the heavens and just, I mean, really, I thought everything like... was just going to be, you know, picture perfect. And uh, no. And this, that's the one thing I wish I had learned a long time ago is that we're going to go through something all the time. Life is just going to, as people say now, life, life is going to life. We're going to constantly go through experiences. And like I said, we learn and we grow through experiences, shared experiences. And that's why one thing I love about podcasts is that those shared experiences they are so powerful because you yes. can learn so much from someone else's story. And that's why I think it's so important. And now, when I think back about those whispers of being transparent, I get it. I get it because mm-hmm. it can help someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. And all of that, does that translate into what your goals were for this you are not your trauma movement can you kind of talk about that a little bit and what your what your vision is for that absolutely yeah I guess it all kind of started with the fact that I am a childhood trauma survivor and I would say one day just (laughs) kind of divinely some words were divinely dropped into my spirit you are not your trauma and honestly this was a part of my healing journey this was a part of the path that I've been on to truly heal from my childhood trauma, not the uh, surface level healing that I'd done for many years or thought that I'd done. But when I really stepped into healing, being intentional, taking all the steps to not just survive, but to really thrive and grow and learn some things from from my experience. When that message was dropped into my spirit, um, I knew that it was a message that needed to be shared, not just with, I knew it was bigger than me because one of the first things I thought was if, well, first of all, I thought was, okay, God, why have you never told me this before? The next thing I thought was, what else should I be doing with this message? And what I realized is that it was something that a lot of other people needed. Because if I spent, for me, it was a little over three decades, stuck in the pain and the hurt and just carrying that burden from my past, how many other people were doing that? 
And that's when I launched You Are Not Your Trauma podcast. That's when I decided to launch it. Well, we're actually coming up on a year in December that the podcast, thank you, that the podcast launched. And um, that just really, it, gosh, it just grew from there. The speaking, coaching, the, uh, the becoming an author is all kind of grown from that experience of healing and knowing that I needed to share my experience with others because I feel like we, um, our own lived experiences are life's best teachers. It's the best way to help someone else on a journey because sometimes we can kind of cut things a little bit shorter by actually learning from other people. So that is somewhat a short condensed version of my journey. I love that. And it's amazing, you know, that you said you weren't ready necessarily to hear the words that, you know, God had put onto your heart at that time. So as I mentioned, You Are Not Your Trauma began as a podcast, but God has been all 2023, God has been saying that my focus should be more on You Are Not Your Trauma. Although I also do in my coaching, I do life and business coaching, but he's just been really pushing for my focus to be on You Are Not Your Trauma because it's so powerful. Every time I say the words, it's just like, I feel it. But my vision for a while has been for it to expand, to for it to be bigger than just a place where someone goes and listens, but a community, right? I want, yeah, I wanted your natural trauma to be a safe place because I don't want someone who's going through trauma to listen to an episode and there's not a new one until next week and they're all caught up on all the others. Now what? What do I do? What mm-hmm. do I do in the meantime? And so I wanted to create a community that would allow people to have a place to go, to talk, to chat, to connect with people who may have gone through something similar or who maybe maybe they're in a struggle space, maybe they're working to overcome, maybe they're in a much better place. I wanted to create a community. Launching really soon will be the You Are Not Your Trauma app that you will be able to get from iTunes or it'll be in the Google store. So I've been working on that and that's going to be really a place that people can can connect. That it will have a lot of different things. You'll be able to listen to the podcast and you'll be able to get merged, but you'll also be able to get some meditations. You'll be able to do challenges. We'll have some uh, community opportunities for people to chat and share and talk. And it's just going to be so amazing. So it's still being worked on, but we're getting closer, closer to, co- to completion. Then also we have a resource guide that um, will also be launching soon. That is the Your Natural Trauma Resource Guide. That is going to just give people some resources. Again, I don't want you to not have anywhere to go after you listen to the to the episodes or after you listen to the show and you like, okay, but you know, I need something for this moment, right? Because I feel like even when we go places and we go or maybe a conference or, or a church or even when we're having conversations, right? There's this high that we get. We get connected and we get emotional, but then it's over and it's quiet and there's no one talking. And then what? Um, I wanted to provide some resources and they, they're right now resources that have helped me. But as we grow into adding other resources, just something that helps to connect that community. The show will also be going to YouTube for season four. So we'll I'll wrap up hey. season three at the end of this year. Uh, and so we will add on, in addition to audio, will also be video. 
So we're going to have the You Are Not Your Trauma Healing Journal that'll also be released. Really, the premise behind the healing journal is that, you know, we go through our, our I said the work, we do the work, right, of healing, um, but we need to be able to see the story in a different way. So we really want to focus on rewriting the narrative, rewriting your story, because we are all the authors of our stories and we get to make the choice of what comes next. A lot of times when we've gone through some type of trauma, we feel like it's out of our control, but really there are some things that are still in our control. And so I want to, in that journal, I'm helping you to look look at the future because I feel like when you're so stuck in that negative space and even as you're just coming out, it's hard to visualize that what the future can hold. And that's where those limiting beliefs, we get feel limited, but there's so much beauty on that other side and we need to be able to start work writing that out and working through that and and really uncovering that so that as we walk into that next phase that we know just how beautiful it can be so those are just some of the things that are coming um but like i said god told me i, I couldn't stop at podcast i had to keep moving and i had to keep growing um i'm excited about everything yeah, that's if you want to get on the wait list for any of these things, uh, you can go to my website, uh, HarrietMHarris.com. You can go there and join those wait lists because they will all be coming soon. Excited for you. Oh my gosh. I can't even like, I'm, you know, I do the podcast and maybe one email a week and I'm like overwhelmed. I can't imagine doing all of that, but that's, it's so inspirational and yeah, I think community is just, it's so needed in so yes. many spaces. And I love that you said that people listen to an episode and maybe even after the episode, they have this high and they're like, yes, mm -hmm. I can do this. I can start this process, but then kind of real life sets in again. And then, yeah, where do they go from there? So I yes. think what you're doing is just so needed and I'll definitely be a community member and and checking everything out. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I don't Absolutely. know when I don't know when this episode is gonna air, but right now we are doing a campaign called Give Five to Change Lives. So the goal is to get to just support the You Are Natural Trauma movement. So the goal is to get 500 people to donate at least $5. And you can do more if you like. Um, if you go to giving.youareNotYourTrauma.com and that campaign will be ongoing. But the goal where we're trying to reach that 500 people, that is going to go through Giving Tuesday. So I don't know when this airs, but <laughs> in case it does before the end, uh, that is out there. So that is just something that I'm doing to just kind of help us to continue to work towards that goal. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that because I know it's on all of your podcast episodes. Like it's linked mm -hmm. there, the, the Give Five campaign. I think it's just a, a great way to get people involved and, you know, also support what you do and make sure that it comes to the vision that you have yes. for it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I always end on the same question and I'm really excited to hear your answer, but if there was anything that you tell your 18 year old self, and again, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be around infertility. It can be anything. What is the number one just kind of nugget that you would tell that girl knowing what you know now? Knowing what I know now, it's very similar to something I said a little bit earlier. It's just know that life won't be like, there's nothing I can do to, to, cause I'm a recovering perfectionist. 
there's nothing I can do to ever be perfect, right? But find a way to go with the flow of life and don't get so weighed down when things don't align just the way you expect them to. Because I felt like when things didn't align is when I beat myself up the most. The criticism, the self, this is all the self-blame, all those things, they came in. And I think, and I grew up a Christian. I was raised a Christian and I tell told my mom, I was like, you know, I feel like they told me all the good Bible stories, but they told me the ones with the happy endings. I feel like where either my brain didn't comprehend it or maybe I missed it. I'm not sure. But I felt like if I do everything right, then I'm going to have this great life. So when I got older and I was a new mom and I'm just like really back into the church, I'm like, why is all this bad? To, you know, I'm like, why? You know, like from? I decided to to be all in with God now, and you know, because you know, when you're a teenager, you know, things go a little awry, and they did. Mm-hmm. I decided to go all in with God, and I remember my pastor at the time telling me, "You do know that when you go all in with Him, that's when the enemy comes at you the hardest." And I was mm-hmm. like. It was almost like, what? You know, I had this moment of like, what the heck? You know, Um, but I think that because I was young and maybe just not fully committed, I was getting the surface level of the stories. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had understood back then that adversity will come. That's, That's the message. Adversity will come. Hard times will come. But I have to just keep stay strong through them and not fold (laughs) because sometimes that's what it felt like. Like I wanted to just fold, like forget it. I'm done. But yeah, that I would say that it's just understand that life is going to have some ups and downs and that you are strong enough to get yourself through them. And yeah, just don't give up. So I would say that that's what I tell that girl. I think that would be the message that would really pull her along. (laughs) It would be so nice if our 18-year-old selves, all this advice that we're giving them now, like I know if someone gave it to me, I'd probably just let it go in one ear and out the other, Mm -hmm. but it's a nice thought, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I know you listeners can't see it, but behind Harriet, she has a sign that says perfection ruins distinction. And being a recovering perfectionist myself, I really appreciate that. And (laughs) that's absolutely true. Yes, (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's right behind me because I need that constant reminder that this is not, this is not the thing. And it's so interesting. Yes. I have a friend who wrote a book called God is not on a point system. And mm. that was pretty darn changed. You know, it was life changing because I, I read it and I'm like, dang, do I do that? Oh, dang, I think I do that. You know, it's almost like, be good so I can get this, you know, kind of like a kid and a parent, you know, type of situation. Um, But in, you know, in human form that works, (laughs) but (laughs) with God, not so much. That's the perfect sign, the perfect spot. And I can totally relate to that, even though I wish I couldn't. One day, one day we'll get it. (laughs) One day we'll, we'll be, we'll move past that. Yeah. Yes. Where can the listeners find you if they want to learn more about everything that you're doing? Because it's so you're a busy, busy woman, but what's the best place to find you and connect with you? Yeah. So um, 
definitely you can go to youarenotyourtrauma.com. You can learn all about the show. You can learn about me. There's a contact form. If there's anyone who's interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill that form out. You can leave feedback, all that. But you can also find me on socials. I'm Harriet M. Harris, MBA, M. Mary Boy Adam on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. But I'm also, I also have a, a You Are Not Your Trauma page and you can find that You Are Not Your Trauma podcast on the same places, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You can catch me either way. I'm behind, I'm the person behind both. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's it. And then the podcast, of course, it is on all your favorite podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon, Google, all the all the places. So you can find me there as well or the podcast. And we will put all of those links in the show notes. So whatever okay. you prefer, however you prefer to connect with Harriet, it will all be there at your fingertips. So super simple. And Harriet, I just want to thank you again so much. This episode has been really insightful and you're such a strong and inspiring woman and just letting everyone know that you know, we're not our trauma and we no. can we will face adversity but we also will move past it as well yeah yes we can and thank you thank you so much I do appreciate you having me on I appreciate the insight Absolutely. I appreciate the conversation because this has been great truthfully I've never shared the secondary infertility story on my own oh. podcast yet so oh, this will be the first <laughs> Yeah, I'm so honored. Thank you. Yeah, there's the episode planned, but I hadn't done it yet. So this will be really the first time that I've spoken about that part of my story real publicly. My A lot of my story focuses on the childhood trauma because that had the greatest impact on me. I appreciate you allowing me to share it, even though it's not a exact example of fertility in the same way, but just this is a another, another thing, another I guess another type of infertility. And it was one I didn't even know even existed until I was diagnosed with it. I really appreciate you sharing that. It's going to help a lot of listeners. And that's one of my missions with the podcast. It, It wasn't only to interview people that don't have children because we all arrive at our situations in a different way. And all of us that suffer any type of infertility still loss, it's still validated and it doesn't, it's not a competition. You know, one is not more traumatic than another and everybody's situation matters. Mm -hmm. So absolutely your, your story here is very relevant and will definitely relate. Listeners will relate to it. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you liked this episode, be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and lets me know the exact information my listeners want to talk about. For more information on accepting infertility and finding happiness beyond it, follow me on Instagram at lifebeyondinfertility or find me online at charliedice.com. That's charlie spelled C-H-A-R-L-I-E dice spelled D-I-C-E dot com. And don't forget, you are woman enough and your story is worth sharing. 